0: Uh, Steve Symes is a real estate agent who sells country acreages in County Clare in Ireland. Uh, And rather than describing his properties like most agents do, he goes for what you might call the brutally honest approach. Uh, He's not into those phrases, renovator's delight, suitable for first home buyer, rustic. Uh, He has a more direct approach. Uh, Here at Green Valley, properties, we do not believe in the usual estate agent's double speak with which many of you will be acquainted. We like to call a spade a spade, not a long handled manual soil manipulator. Our descriptions attempt to convey an accurate impression of what is really there. This quite simply helps to save the time and frustration of time wasting visits. Life is busy enough. So that's his idea and uh, he begins with uh, this property and describes it in this way. Uh, This property has been empty for some time and is in need of renovation. The bathroom and kitchen are the best part. Some rooms have not been used for possibly decades. (laughs) The main structure appears to be sound. Uh, That's one of the better properties. Uh, Small, roofless, stone built cottage as basic as can be. Uh, what was once a house-shaped pile of stones, now a wall or two with the rest missing. Um, Some people might get a bit upset by that sort of honesty, Uh, maybe the owners or other real estate agents, but if I'm a buyer and if I've driven miles up a muddy track expecting to find a renovator's delight only to find a dump, Uh, I'd be more upset with the dishonesty of the description. If you've experienced something, what you really... uh, Sorry, if you've never experienced something, what you really appreciate is somebody who knows and and who can tell it to you accurately uh, because that way you know what to expect. And apparently lots of people agree. Steve's business is going very well. Uh, Describing things the way they are That's what Jesus is doing here in John chapter 8. Telling it like it is to people who don't know the things that he knows. Some people appreciate it, some are just furious. And it begins by Jesus describing himself in verse 12 as the light of the world. I'm the one who tells things like they are, who sheds light into darkness, who will steer you in the right direction. I don't know whether you've experienced total blackness, maybe in a cave or something like that. So black you can't see your hand in front of your face. It's very unsettling. You don't know where you're going. Uh, You lose some sense of which way is up. Some people become so disoriented in total blackness they they actually fall over. Uh, Earlier this week, Uh, 12-year-old Jesse Hernandez fell through an access hole and dropped 8 metres into the fast-flowing Los Angeles sewer system. And he spent the next 12 hours in the dark being swept along from one pipe to the next as rescuers tried to find where he'd gone. Imagine his confusion and fear, not to mention the smell and the discomfort. He was eventually found one and a half kilometres from where he fell in 12 hours later uh, with the help of special cameras. 12 hours seems like a long time in the dark but many people spend their whole life in the dark. The darkness of living without Jesus. Uh, The darkness of life without purpose or direction. Life that pursues... uh, meaning and satisfaction and significance in all the wrong places uh, and then never finds it, Life where you get lost and you stumble and you fall over. It might be man-made religions, the darkness of Islam uh, that thinks God will be impressed if you blow yourself up and kill a crowd of non-believers. Or the darkness of Hinduism where every aspect of life is governed by thousands of gods, you mustn't anger. Gods who have to be pleased with rituals and offerings and good deeds. Or maybe it's just the darkness of living for something meaningless. Living for perfect looks, whether it's diet or lifting weights or plastic surgery or makeup or fashion. Or maybe living for the perfect, fun, good time. Looking for the next concert or party or booze, alcohol or friends. Or the darkness of living for a successful career. Or a perfect wedding. Or the perfect family. Or the perfect financial uh, future, uh, financially secure future or the perfect retirement or even for some the perfect painless good death and the perfect funeral. Living in darkness is chasing after all those things. It's darkness because even if you catch them, they're not what they promise. They don't satisfy you. They're not what you thought they would be. They're not what life is about anyway. It's darkness because it's like trying to push down the air out of parachutes or catching smoke in your hands. And that's the message Jesus comes to give. Stop walking in darkness. Listen to me, I'm the light. And he speaks with an honesty people will either appreciate and respect or that angers them, turns them off completely. I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's a big claim, because being the light was something that God himself claimed. Uh, So Psalm 27, uh, verse 1, David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? And then in Isaiah 42, God promises that not only is he the light but he would make his servant a light for the Gentiles. Someone who would open eyes that are blind and set captives free. And then Jesus comes, God's servant, and here we have Jesus claiming to be the light of the world. The light of God himself shining on people. Light that saves and light that sets captives free. Uh, Light that does that is light with power, isn't it? It's a different sort of light to gentle candles burning or Christmas lights blinking. Light that sets free and light that saves, it's more like the light from the searchlight on a rescue helicopter that sees a, a, a car wreck hanging on a steep cliff. Or it's like the light from a lighthouse that shines around uh, and onto the deadly rocks that are below it and identifies them for ships. That's the sort of light that Jesus is when he says he's the light of the world. He's not just teaching morals or giving enlightenment and knowledge. The light of Jesus is about tough, powerful, courageous dangerous rescue. The words of Jesus drag people from destruction. Uh, Jesus speaks plainly because the danger is great and near. When there is a fire, you want signs that point clearly to safety, don't you? When there's a shark, you want to hear a loud siren uh, if you're out in the water. You don't want someone going, um, excuse me, um, Could everyone please get out of the water? There's a big shark coming behind you. You want a big siren. When you're about to drop into a raging flood, you don't mind a a rough, strong grip that holds you firm. Uh, And that's Jesus speaking direct words. Uh, In all of these words here in chapter 8, he makes four statements about people, uh, four choices. On the one hand, you can... Listen, you can appreciate what he says and be warned. You can believe and be saved or you can ignore the warning and stay in darkness, be offended and not be saved. We've already seen the first choice there in verse 12, walk in darkness or walk in light. And he says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. We've seen dark and light here before in John, haven't we? Uh, Do you remember back in chapter 3 where he talks to Nicodemus about light and he says this, uh, this is the verdict, light has come into the world but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he's done has been done through God. Darkness, light. Darkness is about evil. People who do the wrong thing prefer evil so that their deeds are not exposed or seen. A department store is full of respectable people going about their shopping while the lights are on. But if there's a blackout and people have the chance to be hidden, then all sorts of mischief happens. And then when the lights come on again, the evidence of their evil is obvious. TVs have mysteriously walked out of the shop. Old shoes are left behind on the floor and the new ones are missing. Handbags are missing and cash registers are open. People love darkness if their deeds are evil. But Jesus promises that following him will mean you walk in the light. There's no fear that your deeds will be exposed. Your sin has been dealt with when you follow Jesus. There's no longer guilt or shame. That's better than hiding in the shadows. So there's Jesus' first choice, darkness or light. Follow Jesus and walk in the light. Well, after this there's a bit of disagreement with the Pharisees and then Jesus comes up with choice number two, the choice of death or life. Look there in verse 21. Once more Jesus said to them, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go you cannot come. And then again in verse 24. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. Jesus is the light who wants to rescue. uh, A rescue that's a matter of life or death. Uh, He's been sent so people don't die, don't die in their sin, uh, to deal with their sins. Uh, He's come to deal with their sins so that physical death, is just the beginning and uh, uh, is simply the doorway to eternal life. I've been with a number of people in hospital as they prepare to die Uh, and people have a strong sense of wanting to get their affairs in order, uh, to make apologies and to restore relationships. They don't want to die and leave things in a mess. And Jesus is offering that chance uh, with a relationship that's more important than any other, our relationship with God. He offers the chance not to die in your sin. The, The chance of dying without sin being sorted out. Sin is what separates us from God. It's ignoring his rule. And unless we deal with that, we go into eternity as his enemy. But Jesus offers an alternative to that. I'll read verse 24 again, but I'll I'll flip it around and take out the negatives. If you believe that I am the one I claim to be, you won't die in your sins. Our first choice, darkness or light, was about following. This one is about believing Uh, which I guess is really saying the same thing. What is it that we believe so that we won't die in our sins? Believing that Jesus has come from God, that he's speaking about God truly, that he's the one who dies for our punishment, the one who defeats death when we follow him. If we recognise those things and trust them, And then we throw ourselves into Jesus' care, then He rescues us. That's what it means for His light to shine for us. Are you doing that? Are you believing in Jesus for your sins to be forgiven? Well, that's the the second choice. The third one puts it slightly differently, but now focuses on the present. Uh, You can live in slavery or live in freedom. Verse 31, we read, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Knowing truth sets you free. In the 18th century, smallpox was deadly. It killed one in three people and plagues killed thousands of people. Those who did survive had horrible scars. People were enslaved to smallpox in a way. But an English country doctor, Edward Jenner, had a theory. He noticed that milkmaids almost never caught smallpox and his theory was it was because they'd already caught cowpox from cows which was like smallpox but weaker and wasn't life-threatening. His experiment would never have made it past ethics committees today, research committees, but what he did was over a number of days he injected an eight-year-old boy, James Phipps, with the pus from cowpox, sores of milkmaids, Uh, which was okay because that wasn't deadly, but what he then did was inject the boy with smallpox. James got sick, but then recovered with no side effects. Uh, Jenner had discovered immunology. The body itself produced a defence against the cowpox, which protected it from the smallpox. And that knowledge has set the world free. Uh, Set the world free from the deadly smallpox virus. In 1980 the World Health Organisation declared smallpox had been officially eradicated worldwide. The truth sets you free, says Jesus. It's like that with him, but far better. He's offering people truth uh, to people who are trapped and will set them free. He sees ignorant people walking around him, people who don't know eternity and sin and forgiveness, who don't know Jesus but that ignorance is slavery. They're helpless, they're headed for death. But they don't like being told that they're slaves. Verse 33, they say, we've never been anyone's slaves. What do we need setting free from? And that's like lots of Australians today. They don't think they're slaves. They think they're free to live any way they want, free to treat people the way they want or free to have their own plans and be masters of their own destiny. But Jesus is saying that's not freedom at all. Verse 34 he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. People think life is free for them to choose what they like uh, as they ignore God. But that's like a train that thinks it's free once it leaves the train tracks. But when a train leaves the train tracks, that's not freedom, that's a wreck. That's a train wreck, a crash. Uh, Free will isn't freedom. Free will is slavery because our will always chooses sin. Our will can't choose obedience it's slavery sin has got us trapped it's not freedom at all ask a compulsive gambler whether he's free to gamble or not well in one sense he is free isn't he not to gamble but but he's not able to choose not gambling greed has him trapped so he always chooses the wrong that's slavery Ask the moral person trying to impress God with perfect behaviour whether he's free to earn his salvation. Well, in one sense he's free, but he's not able to do that. He's not capable of perfection. He's trapped in a spiral of good intentions and failure and guilt and good intentions and failure and guilt. That's not freedom. Ask a compulsive liar, or a drug addict, or a shopaholic with credit cards at maximum. Are they free to stop? Well, in one sense they're free, but in another sense they're not. They're not able to stop. They're trapped. Their freedom to sin is what keeps them trapped. But Jesus offers a chance to break the cycle. To change from being a son to being a slave. Look at verse 35. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family but a son belongs to it forever. You may be a slave to sin but a slave can be set free. A slave can be brought back and made part of the family. And then that's just what Jesus offers. Uh, The very next verse, verse 36, So if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Some of you know Tim Wilson. He was an assistant minister here. He's now a Presbyterian chaplain in New South Wales prisons and a while ago he read a letter from a prisoner he has got to know who became a Christian in jail. And this prisoner has discovered exactly what Jesus means about being free. Before he was in prison, he thought he was free, running around, committing all sorts of crime, but now he knows he was actually a slave then. And it took being arrested and jailed and then to hear about Jesus for him to realise true freedom. True freedom was being released from the burden of sin and all the mess that goes with sin, guilt and shame and broken relationships. And now, even though he's behind bars, he's more free than he's ever been. That's what this letter said that Tim read to me. Is that a sort of freedom that you know? Well, the Jews are not too impressed with what Jesus says about them being slaves, and they puff and puff and they say, we're Abraham's children. Well, Jesus has some even tougher talk in store. He says they're not Abraham's children because they don't do what Abraham did. There's no family resemblance. They don't trust God the way Abraham did. And he goes on to say they're not even God's children. If they were God's children, they'd recognise Jesus who's come from God. And look at who he says they do belong to in verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. He's the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you don't believe me. There's only two choices as to who your father will be, says Jesus, whose example you will copy, whose family resemblance you will bear. Jesus says you either follow God as your father or Satan as your father. There's no fence to sit on. And that means your moral, kind, generous grandma, uncle, school teacher, neighbour, workmate, if they don't recognise Jesus, then they are following their father, the devil. Now that's tough talk, isn't it? That, that's hard to say. And if that was just me, I, I'd feel like i want to apologise for it and soften it. But this is Jesus. You'll have to take it up with him, I'm afraid. But if he's right, and I think he is, well I I know he is, it's all the more reason for us to be telling people about Jesus because he points us to the light. But let me finish with one final question. Do you bear the family resemblance of your father? If God is your father, if you've been set free by Jesus, if you're walking in the light, then do you reflect that? Are you a light shining? Do these sorts of words about light describe you? Truthful, honest, brave, clear, compassionate, holy, good. That's what it means to be light in a dark world. But what about us as a church? Are we a lighthouse that's shining on a dark sea? Are people, when they look at us, seeing a clear, pure beacon that points the way to safety? Do we speak the truth in love to people? Listen to how the Apostle Paul described what a church could look like. Philippians 2.14 Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Jesus is the light of the world who rescues people from darkness. Let's bear the family resemblance Let's make His light shown. Uh, let's make His light known. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus is the light. Help us to see Him, to follow Him, to believe in Him, to walk in darkness, uh, to walk in light instead of darkness. Amen.